What is your profession? Welcome to OCR Audio with your hosts, Luke and Jack. So we're joined today by Graham Roberts, performance coach. Graham, how are you? I'm good, boys. How are you? Not bad, not bad. What people won't realise is Graham was actually on the show about three weeks ago, um, but unfortunately, because we can't get John to show up, <laughs> we didn't know Graham was there. So we've got Graham back on his own. <laughs> uh, scary. <laughs> uh, how is John? Is he all right? Obviously, you're um, you're coaching him, so. Uh, yeah, John. No, John's good. Uh, he's recovered nicely from death race, and he's currently, I think, um, uh, supervising a stall at the Edinburgh Film Festival. Uh, no, uh, Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Fringe. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, if you want some pancakes or waffles, go and find a. Well, when this is recorded, he is. Um, we, we've been known to. We're giving him a bit of a rest in August because he worked pretty hard. He, he actually knows the plan that he's got ahead. I've set him a challenge every month for Ooh. the next one to prep for DR and uh, so he knows what all of those and August is a rest month <laughs> um, but the other day I was talking to him about something completely random and then his sister poked in on the call mm-hmm. <laughs> and said John can you move the fridge make sure it's empty move the fridge and I just went John while you're moving it can you just do 10 squats holding the fridge it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, quite a good point. And then he actually did it, which was even more impressive. So there's a there's a video on his Instagram stories of him squatting with a fridge. <laughs> <laughs> That's the power of you, Graham, clearly. No, I, yeah, I, I didn't think he'd do it, actually. <laughs> I thought he knew I was just joking, but fair play to him, he stepped up. So. Good man. So, yes. So, Graham, so, yeah. I wanted to have you back on the show to kind of find out more about you and your performance coaching. Um, let's start from the beginning. How did you get into it all how did it start uh oh right uh so i've always had a um interest in uh developing talent and about five years ago i set my own company up where we focused on two elements uh organizational performance and improving uh, the way teams work and the behaviors of teams and organizations and then coupled to that with my love of sport is actually performance coaching in sport which is all about the mindset it really so looking at the attitude that you take into both your training and your racing to improve on that aspect. So as a lot of people have said, uh, far smarter than me, have said, you know, sport is 80% mental, 20% physical. So it, it's, it's spending a lot of time in different sports, not just OCR, but uh, golf, tennis, swimming. Uh, where else have I got clients at the moment? Uh, cycling, that's the other one. Um, we, we look at the, the, the things that people need to focus on in terms of their mental preparation and how they get themselves sort of really mentally strong in what they do when they perform. So. Mm-hmm. And how did you get into the OCR side of it? Did you start doing OCR yourself and then? <laughs> yeah, I did. I started, how oh, when was it? Peterborough, 2016. That Spartan race? I was there. Spartan, Spartan Peterborough. Yeah, uh, first ever race. I, a quality race really loved it i was sitting nicely in the top 10 in elites actually because it was my first ever one and then i fell off the monkey bars because got my hands wet and the rest is history mr spear throw and as i think you boys were talking about with mark trussell the other day mm-hmm. um if you if you don't go clean in a sprint yeah. you're dead yeah <laughs> so um so yeah it's uh 
that was kind of my first experience of a, a, like a, a really uh, a proper OCR, um, let's say, uh, like one of the more tougher ones. Um, and since there, my enjoyment of the sport has grown and grown. So and we've been doing some weird, wonderful and wacky things ever since. <laughs> yeah. So. So when did you start working with OCR athletes um, in the sport? Did you do it yourself for a little bit and then somebody reached out to you? or? Um, well, at the time, uh, you may have heard of Team Brighthammer. Uh, yeah. Joe, Joe Brigham sets them up and they're headed up by um, uh, well, uh, Wilco uh, at the moment. And um, I kind of joined that team for a while. And uh, I ended up sponsoring that team and working with some of the guys in the team from there. Um, so you may see my name on their backsides on their shirts at the moment blue army ones that are around on uh, courses well my company name anywhere in my head um, and then uh, from there it kind of diverged into OCR athletes around the world so I've got a couple in Canada I've got uh, one in Sweden and there's about three in the UK who I work with at the moment as well so. lovely that's good then um, so have there been any crazy events? Because I know you went out to Iceland. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, like a lot of people, I did that in the sprint at Peterborough. I followed it up with Super as well the next day. Why not? Um, and then the Beast at Windsor that year, um, which we did, which, you know, that got the trifecta. Uh, yeah. 2017, um, I felt like pushing more down an endurance route. So, I... Signed up to do the endurance trifecta as it that was taking place in the UK for the first time. I missed the four hour because I was in Washington DC with work at last minute, which was a shame. Um, I had the pleasure of um, arriving in Sky in the summer, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but as as the tales people have no doubt heard, uh, I was one of the few that fell foul of the test at the start. Um, mine went blank on a Klovich. Um, so I, I didn't actually get to do the Agogi part in Sky, but the, um, there were we were given an invite to spend some time with a chap called Johnny Waite. If you've never met Johnny Waite, he is literally a legend in the sport. Uh, one of the nicest, most humble, and most inspiring guys probably in OCR, and they're pretty much the words that Joe Desani used to describe him as well. And uh, Johnny took us out on Sky. He just said, "Right, I'm going to keep you safe, but." The rest of it's up to you. Uh, 21 of us started at four o'clock in the morning and eight of us finished. And we arrived at the finish line with the Agogi guys at the same time. And we had such an epic two days just on Sky. Um, and we called ourselves the Anogis. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and it's actually this weekend just gone. Um, it was a year since we were all there. So, which is pretty... It's, we can't believe the years flown by. So, so I did. So I, I was in Sky. Whether I did the Agogi is uh, well, I didn't. <laughs> um, and then um, two weeks after that, I did the twelve-hour hurricane heat. Uh, I uh, bonked two hundred burpees into the six hundred at the end. So I just kind of was a wobbly mess and and did that from there. And then the final piece, sort of piece of retribution last year was uh, I went out to Iceland the Ultra World Championships and managed to succeed in my aim of that, which was uh, finish it um, plus a lap. So we got uh, five laps out there, which was great. So, but it's really interesting actually, because a lot of people get, 
you know, oh, I didn't finish something or I fail and all those stuff from there. But actually, they were probably the most learning experiences of all of it for us. Um, you know, that that taught me how to manage my food better, um, no matter what the situation, and eat when you're not even hungry when you're doing endurance events. Don't and tell then, him that. He'll start eating. Who will? <laughs> Luke will. He's not <laughs> that boy. Yeah, well, you know, you, you've got to... You you got to fuel fuel the fire, fuel the fire. You got to, that. It's it's literally that. You just got to keep putting fuel on the fire, no matter what. Um, especially if you do a high training workload or in the events themselves. And then, um, yeah, it's just more those events, and that's what's really good about the Spartan endurance events. Actually, is they give you the opportunity to really sort of hold. I know it sounds a bit cliche, but hold the mirror up and actually look at what really does limit you, but also mm-hmm. watch. Out you and how you can find ways to overcome that so um i wouldn't have changed last year at all for those events and it's got a little bit silly again this year as well so <laughs> it's funny you say that graham right so i i like my long distance events i come from a triathlon background where i did ironmans and what have you when i did the ironman that really did open up that door for me of like a test against myself so no longer am i competing against the the guy next door which i was doing in sprints and olympic a bit like now in spartan it's a case if you look left and look right you see tristan you see luke you see scotty you see and you're fighting against those boys whereas when you turn up to an ironman it's all about yourself because if you try and even keep up with the guy next to you you're going to be ko'd within you know the bike sort of thing yeah. It's interesting because I do, um, every year I try to do a 24-hour race event, uh, which is really? literally running because I haven't got that across to OCR yet. Um, and yeah, you learn so much about yourself in 24 hours. Oh, completely. Completely. I like this this past weekend, I just went and ran the Yorkshire Three Peaks. Yeah. Uh, took, me hours, took me five and a half hours, as you do on a Saturday morning. Um, but again you know that experience of just being out there in the space and sort of asking the questions and exploring when it's difficult and and working out how you 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 know you step up or you take the choice to step off and if you do you know what what lesson do you learn from that that point it's it's really really important so so is that how your coaching's based then graham is it a case of finding that mental points uh yeah so we we look at the areas we look at the areas that are going to uh really help promote someone's ability so we all have something that limits us you know jack for you it might be whether your hair's neat before you go on camera or all those kind of things you know? <laughs> 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 that, so when, when, when um you know when there's um, a guy called uh, Timothy Galway wrote a book called The Inner Game. It's in the 70s, 60s, 70s, he wrote it. And he came up with this very loose formula that said performance equals potential minus limitations. Mm-hmm. So one of the areas that, that I focus on with my athletes is to explore what those limitations might be. And do work with them to help limit to bring down the impact of those limitations so either find different mindsets to work through them find uh, training plans or concepts that they can incorporate into the training that actually sort of chunk down what they think is limiting so one of the things you see quite common in a lot of athletes is they they set their expectation yeah higher than their current level of ability mm-hmm but they fail to appreciate the small steps that you need to actually take to get to that, that goal. Yeah. So, and, and the time scale that that might take. 
So I've got I've got a guy at the moment. He can he can run a ten k in about fifty minutes, which is you know that's all right. You know he's not really an athlete, but he's training. He wants to get fitter, and he wants to healthy, and he wants to do a lifestyle. And he's going to do a big challenge next year. And you know what we're setting up with him is a program that actually helps him see the little steps. Yeah. So he's going to work up to running a slightly faster five k first. Then he's going to start working on the 10K time because he's got a bit more of a speed base there. Then he's going to work up to half marrow and marrow distance over the time from that. So rather than just saying big leap, big goal, let's say, right, small steps and let's appreciate all those goals in the way that gets you to that end goal from there. So. Yeah, so kind of micro-managing your way to success, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So because... building up. Yeah, because as, as you boys know, it, you, everything ebbs and flows. You'll have had races where you feel like you're flying and it doesn't come off. And then the others where you've had to dig really, really deep and somehow you've managed to get a result out of it and vice versa. So it's about, you know, understanding the roller coaster that you go go through and sort of then saying, right, okay, well, why might that be happening? Mm -hmm. Okay, there's something you need to change from there to actually change that approach. Yeah, I think OCR as a race format might be the best race to see that because if you're running really good in say like a 10k road race you're running really good but if you're running good in a OCR I know Jack had it at St Clair he was absolutely flying in the field um, but then he came to an obstacle and slipped off accidentally and had to take the burpees so he was running really well and his probably his mindset was thinking forwards but because there's obstacles, there's different challenges. It brought him back a little bit because he had to do the burpees. So it's definitely OCR is that kind of the best kind of race for mindset and that analogy of what you just said. Yeah, it's so it's so critical. And one of the things I have kind of a, a loose program that looks at four different areas. Mm-hmm. So pre pre race prep, you know what you do beforehand, and we explore everything in that. And it starts often months before and you hear people talk about A, B and C level races and how they incorporate and how we manage that flow through there. You've got obstacle focus. So how do you switch between the different obstacles that you've got to go through and how you focus on them so you're in clearer mind to be able to concentrate? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other one's mental toughness. So how do you stay mentally strong despite through the scenarios that can take place in a race? Because, you know, Jack, you probably felt when you hit those burpees, I'd imagine that shifted your mindset and your attitude a little bit at yeah. that point in the race. And then the final thing is performance analysis. Because the data that we get in races is actually really, really helpful to mm-hmm. plan the next training block, to actually to sort of take an objective view at what can potentially be a subjective time. So, so those kind of four areas that we loosely concentrate the conversations around. And it's all it's all ages. I work from with OCR World Champions down to um, amateurs who are just really getting started in the game and and really want to do better at what they do. So, who do you see the biggest improvements in? Uh, is it harder to work with a top elite, or is it harder to work with like a guy that knows nothing or a girl? Um, each prevent each presents a different challenge. We're all unique, right? We've all we're all sculpted from our life experiences. Um, that we've had and certain attitudes can promote 
success, but some can sometimes limit it. So what, what I have to spend a lot of time doing is actually really working with the individual to actually sort of say, oh, who are you? What enables you to be the person you are today? And let's have a look at what might limit that in times. So I've got, I've got one client, for example, who is very, very successful, but it's really, really difficult for him to see other approaches because his, his results have been born out of that approach he's taken. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, there's others who, what, where they struggle is that balance between physical and mental because there's only so quick you can run yeah. at a certain point with your training and the development towards that. And yeah, there's a lot of evidence that shows that if you start running from a younger age, you'll be better at an older age. Look at Killian Journey, for example. Um, so you, sometimes it's about appreciating that you've got the system you've got and let's make an improvement from that point rather than saying, let's make a huge step change that knocks 10 minutes off a 10K, for example. Yeah. So. so, yeah. So, I, I, I couldn't really say if one's easier to work with or another because I don't really look at it that way. I kind of look so at it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. You are who you are. Let's work with that. So. so, let's take it from another point of view. Obstacle course racing at the moment, we're seeing like quite a big divide between the very, very short stuff and the very, very long races, 24 hours, etc. Would you say that like your performance coaching is so much more in the mental side of the 24-hour grind or is also the short course stuff because it's very quick, very mental thinking. You've got to think on your feet instantly. Um, if you do fail an obstacle or something, you have to be very strong not to think that it's over. Which of the, like, the distances or the speeds do you think is taking most of the mental side or is it just all? I think it's all, and I think it's slightly different. Yeah. Um, you, you boys have done long runs, right? You've been out there and, you know, you've done an LSR, you know, long, slow run. Yeah. And have you noticed there's a point where you're running and you kind of miss a step or you semi-roll your ankle or you don't see something in front of you? Yeah. Because you're not thinking. Know that, you know. know that feeling well, right? <laughs> Luke's smiling. So... What tends to happen is there that your, your subconscious brain is actually concentrating on something else. So you're looking at the scenery around you and you actually take your eye off what you're doing. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a longer format race, the focus mentally becomes on how you check in and out of the tasks in hand. Mm. So like um, John was talking about, um, you know, do a job, finish that job, do the next job. Yeah, and it it becomes a series of blocks like that to 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 almost manage yourself throughout the whole thing. The same thing applies in a short race, but what you find in the short race is there's a there's an inherent pressure because you feel well it's shorter, so I should be able to go harder. And the higher the heart rate, you know, the 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 greater the opportunity for subconscious emotions to come in that you can't control as much. So, you know, a, a classic example of that is an athlete that um, we, we know. Um, he was recently in a, in a Spartan race in the UK and he might have forgotten the important part of hitting the bell on um, one of the obstacles. And it's, 
you know, that's just a, because his concentration, you know, and the, where he was at was thinking about the other things that were going around. So yes. those things happen. Um, and it takes a bit of discipline in those, you know, intense moments to actually sort of keep in control of what you're doing, make sure you focus on that block of finish the obstacle, do the obstacle block, then move into the next thing. So, I definitely think that's so underrated in obstacle course racing. Um, like if I bring back to the St. Clair scenario myself, at that point, I got Jason Brunnock and an American guy running in front of me. And I was, I was feeling strong. Jason, I could see was slightly coming back. I was gaining on him. Um, I had just had this massive hoo-ha on the uh, tyre carry and I just went for it. I absolutely destroyed it. Came out of the tyre carry and it's, I've got Tom LeBlanc with a camera in my face telling me I'm the leader. You know, you know, my bloody hell. I don't, I don't want to know that. I don't want to hear that in my mind. I want to chase someone down. I want to be, I don't want to be centre of attention. What I do. <laughs> but, but, I mean, my, my mindset in the race wasn't wasn't there to to hold that position you know i didn't want to be in the tristan steve position if that makes sense um so obviously as it comes to olympus which is something that i don't normally fail i just slipped off it but that is a clear case of i was thinking about completely everything else other than the task in hand let's see now i'm third again <laughs> but you know he just thinks if i could have should have would have could have do you know what i mean comes into head it is so difficult though and i've had the only race that's ever happened really this year for me is Ireland because I was in such a strong position from start to finish, I could hold that. Past that, I haven't had a race yet that's come off 100% how I wanted it to. They've all gone wrong somewhere. You know? so, so let me let me ask this. Hindsight's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So if you could go back and do it again, what would you do differently with your mindset? Well, yeah, concentrate on that one obstacle, get over that, then think about the rest of it. Yeah, so the, the term I, I call that input focus. Yeah. If you, if you look at the greatest athletes of all time across a sport, any sport, basketball, yeah. golf, swimming, you know, skiing, they, don't func- they never focus on the, the outcome. You know, they never sit there and say, I want to win the race. What they sit there is say, right, in this part, I want to push this hard. I want to concentrate on this technique. I want to look at attacking that this way at this stage. Mm. And once you start thinking of the inputs only, it kind of focuses your mind to only concentrate on the job you've got to do, not, you know, the context of which you're doing that job. And that's quite a simple way for a lot of people to actually get their head around what they're trying to do. So in OCR, you like you say, you're coming up to Olympus, ignore the competition around you. Yeah. Right, Olympus is this. This is the way I need to do it. Um, I'm going to commit 100% to doing that obstacle like that, and let's see what happens. Mm. So, so do you not do any visualisation with your clients in a sense of like getting on a podium? Yeah, no, we do. We don't do it on getting on the podium. We no. we focus purely on excelling a hundred percent throughout right. the race. Okay. So I had I had one client who was he was transitioning from an endurance event to a short course event to an endurance event. Yeah. <laughs> in, in three weekends. Oh wow. Um, and uh, he, he he got in touch after the first endurance event, which he'd won, and he and he said. Um, I'm really struggling to get to the place I need to be for the short course because it's completely different, you know. Um, so what we did was we actually visualized the whole course. 
and all the technique steps that he was needed for every single part in that mm-hmm. to be able to see um you know what what he needs to do and actually start recognizing what he has in his arsenal that means he can be confident going into it so so yeah that that was um you know that visualization is is really really important and you can use that really well at the start of a Spartan race. You know, you're all standing on the start line getting cold while Carl or someone shows you how to do a burpee and Phil sacks everyone up. Um, and we all just look at his abs and say, how does Phil get those abs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> fake, I tell you. Yeah, um, but you can use that to, to look at the scenario ahead and, and say, okay, where am I going to get myself to? How am I going to get over those, the, you know, the over and the throughs and all that kind of stuff? Guys, while we're taking a break, why don't you head over to our social media channels. You can find us at Instagram at OCR underscore audio. You can find us on Facebook at OCR audio. And you can now find us on YouTube. Just search OCR audio to check out our new vlogs. Please like, share, subscribe where possible. And very much appreciated if you could possibly put us a review down on any platform. That would be awesome. Right, back to the podcast. So you mentioned you like visualize the course. This is something in OCR now that we're seeing some races release like race maps before. I yeah. think that's quite a good thing. Obviously, you, you'll know the course, you can see, you can kind of visualize. Do you think that's better for like, especially for your job, if there is a race map, because you can say, right, this obstacle, this, you know the, the obstacles that will be out on course. But some races are not releasing race maps, which is not great. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's where that can really, really help. The only thing I'd say is, it, I think it was uh, St. Clair? Yeah, that was wrong. I, yeah. And historically, I'm not saying it's the same going forwards, but some of the Spartan maps haven't quite been as accurate as they could be. I'll tell you now, I wouldn't look at a Spartan map. I reckon the three-year-old toddler fucking draws them. <laughs> Honestly, they're, so, they're so far right it's unreal and they're never passed so, and yeah don't even so you, what you've got to do is use the information smartly like i i ran big bear this year yeah um, i ran the u.s national series out there trust me the elevation we have in the uk is nothing compared to that course i can guarantee you five thousand feet in 12 miles is brutal <laughs> yeah um but that was accurate that was absolutely spot on where everything was on that map. And I know the athletes I was out there used that to sort of start planning uh, where they might need to save some grip strength if there's three or four grip strength obstacles together. Um, And that's the step a lot of athletes are now starting to take is that especially at the elite end, they're starting to see sequences of obstacles, not just the obstacle in itself. Yeah. To start managing that. So we were just saying just, that, weren't we, uh, before this about um, certain obstacles being one after the other. So, for instance, at Sinclair, for me, the Olympus came straight after the bucket. Bucket, yeah. Um, so, obviously, my grip from this, from the bucket, then straight into those Olympus, because I used the holes, using the same grip, bang, gone. Something that I would normally destroy, call me out. Um, so, I learned from that that I need to go away and in- improve that grip. 
um, what I didn't really think until till now um, is maybe it was more of a mindset thing as well, you know? Yeah, could be. And, and that's where it could play a game. And, you know, that could, it could have an impact in there and how you check out because um, one, of the, one of the things we get people to do is think 30 yards, an obstacle, it takes place 30 yards before it to 10 yards after it. Mm-hmm. And that's the space that, that obstacle takes place. So as you're approaching that 30 part yards, you're thinking of, you know, technique, lane, all the things you need to do to improve your chances of getting over that efficiently. And then 10 yards is basically just to do your reflection. Did it go how I wanted it to or didn't it? If it didn't, oh, it was because of this. If it did, great. Right. After 10 yards, that's it. You've got the next obstacle ahead of you, which, believe it or not, is the running. Because you've got to get your running back and your stride back and you've got to take on the terrain that's in front of you. So starting to compartmentalize in some way to help with that transition. Oh, yeah, it's true. So you've got to think into the obstacle and then accelerate yeah. using getting back into your general running speed. Yeah, I need to find a new sport. I can't do that much thinking when I'm running. Jack, I think you just need to call me and we'll make it simple, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Graham's got crayons. (laughs) Graham's got crayons. I have got crayons. We can draw you a course map. Yeah, man. That's something definitely I need to start doing, but like I say. (laughs) Yeah, that's where, you know, for example, you could get down the night before. You know, I know Spartan are starting to introduce the uh, obstacle specialist things. Yeah. In, in, in before, you know, if you're in the area, why not be part of the obstacle specialist and actually get a chance to scope out the course? Yeah. And start seeing those areas that could be, you know, you need to just refine. Do that from there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah they've started yeah. doing that in America as well. They have open house um, on the Friday before, so you can go yeah. down and test the obstacles. Um, maybe they'll bring that into the UK next year yeah. who knows but yeah. Yeah, a good idea definitely so yeah so that's yeah that's kind of some of the stuff it's good it's good it's fun actually I have a real laugh with it actually it okay good. I know we spoke a little bit with John uh, earlier but just give me um, one of your meanest workouts that you've ever given anybody oh, uh, oh. so I don't Ah, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, there was the there was the there was the, the debate one that I gave John one day, oh. which was um, oh, let me think. I don't I don't know if we talked about it as well, but if we are, if if the listeners are having it, apologies if you're hearing this again. But it was basically a decision: 400 meters times six times with a yeah. with a 20 kilogram power bag over your head. And at each end, do uh, what was it? Fifty burpees. Fifty burpees. Yeah, fifty burpees. That was right. Um, and then, or, or two hundred meters twelve times with the power bag over your head, and a hundred burpees at each end. Yeah. Now, each of those suck, right? Yeah. Um, but. What that uses is something called, it plays on the heuristics, which is basically how your brain thinks about stuff. Um, and what it does is, because you see the short distance at the start, you think, oh, it's only short distance, I won't have to carry the bag as far. But actually, there's four times as many burpees associated with it as taking the longer distance. Um, yeah. and doing from there. So that was, that was, it was a workout designed not to test whether he physically could do it, because John can do all of those things. It was more um, to actually test his decision-making under pressure. 
and under stress. So. Yeah. Sometimes the what you would assume the obvious choice is not the best choice. Yeah. So, so that was that was pretty mean. Um, I don't actually set that many workouts. I must admit, <laughs> because it's more depending on what the client needs. Because often a lot of a lot of my clients actually have a uh, physical oh. trainer or doing their yeah someone who's doing their pro programming for them. So I'll look at more how their attitudes around their program in the taking. And, you know, usually those programs have a stretch in there and helping sort of manage that stretch um, so they can smash it. So, so you're really, you're that on the extra, the cream on cream of the cake, really, aren't you? You're yeah. The yeah. yeah. Like, and I, I accept that. You know, I know that a lot of people are going to look at their PT first. Um, they're going to look at uh, how they can physically make improvements to, to get better at sport because the, there is gains, massive gains to be had there. But mm -hmm. there's also that aspect that says, well, let's get my head in the right place where I do this as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. true. So what's next for you, Graham? So what's next? So I'm part of a Spartan team running Ragnar Relay in September. Right. Uh, which is just going to be epic. Uh, 170 miles around the south coast. Yeah, that's a uh, great race. You'll love it. I did it last year. Yeah. Um, I'm on leg one. So apparently I've been given the hilly one, which is great because yeah. all the one eleven and twenty one are all really hilly about me. So, oh, yeah. uh, so we've got that. I'm running all three distances at Windsor uh, yeah. because I've got a lot of friends who wanted to get themselves off the couch and just do something. So I said I will run every distance with any of you. Uh, so go and have a real good fun down there, and obviously see you guys and all the the Spartan family as they turn up and stuff, which would be fantastic. Yeah, um, I'm back off to Iceland, pit crewing for one of my clients. Um, and then the big thing for me is next November. I've, cool. I'm, I'm signed up to Race to the Wreck. <laughs> oh, so Race to the Wreck is the desert race in Namibia? Yeah, yeah. So it's one of the Rat Race Bucket List series. Uh, it's a 300-kilometer cycle and run across the Namibian desert. That will be <laughs> amazing. But it's going to be awesome. I'm so buzzing for it. And the nicest thing about it is actually um, I'm actually doing it for charity. So Children with Cancer UK is a cause quite close to my heart. A friend, of, a very close friend of mine, actually lost his daughter to cancer. Um, and I've seen the massive impact that's had on them as a family. And and I was like, he's like, look, you're fit, just do something. I was like, well, okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, let's have a look. And I saw this. And you know when you see an event and you just it just gets you, and you just yeah. are like, that's cool. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, our target is ten thousand pounds. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have activities all next year. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, just giving page set up already, Graham. Uh, it's yeah, it's on. Uh, I'll send you boys the link. It's on my Instagram actually. On my links on Instagram, I Spire MC. Yeah, um, me. Yeah, and um, it's uh, the Virgin Giving page, and it's Inspire a Generation. Again, so, well, we will link uh, that in the uh, show notes so people. Oh, that'd be awesome! That'd be awesome, guys. Like one of the things we're planning next year is actually I'm going to do a virtual running development program for anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to start off by by the end of March get people to be able to do a 5k end of May 10k and by the end of the summer be able to do a half marathon 
Lovely. That's good. So we're going to support people on that, and there's going to be T-shirts and uh, some little mementos that people can get hold of. Uh, what sh- for a donation, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, should they complete each of those parts? Because a lot of people have said this is a pretty crazy challenge, and it's quite inspiring that someone's taking it on. And I'm like, well, why don't we use that to inspire you to just improve, you know, you to improve your fitness and get off the couch and do a bit more. So, have you, have you written yourself a training plan for it? Yeah, well, we'll be uh, yeah, I've started to incorporate it. I'm, I'm kind of holding off until after Windsor because um, obviously that's got a lot of focus. But um, my recovery days involve uh, a cycle these days, so I'll go out on a cycle and. Add a few extra bits on like I did this morning. <laughs> are you going but, yeah. out on a road bike or are you going out on a mountain bike? So that's interesting, actually. Um, so I made the decision because I've got a mountain bike. Yeah. And the the bikes that we'll use when we're out there are fat bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, so rather than going down the route of getting a roadie and enjoying all the speed, um, the, the trick is going to be about conditioning. So I'm actually going to leave the knobby tires on my bike and just go riding on the road on it. See, mate, honestly, riding a mountain bike will make you strong. Yeah. Especially if you like, get some trials, get in some woods, you know, go find your local red run or something and just get yeah. in the, the core, the grip, the the balance you are on a mountain bike really does then, like, for instance, we used to use it on the off-road for, uh, for triathlon. So in the off-season, shit load of mountain bike in. Yeah. When you get back on the bike in January, you know, February on the road bike, you feel really strong and like really alert and it's, Nine times out of ten, because you can smash out the mountain bike, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. Yeah, that's kind of the plan on that. Actually, is to just n- not go down the roadie route and just, um, you know, stick with the novels and, and get used to that resistance and that continual pedaling. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, so yeah. So that's kind of it. So. That's November um, next year. November next year. So. Plenty of time to get some training then. Let, Plenty of time to get to it. If there's people out there who we're looking for corporate partners to, uh, to work with on this as well for sponsorship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I have the pleasure of doing, I do a lot of motivation, motivational speaking anyway. So for, as part of the, you know, the, the corporate sponsorship, we may be able to find a way for afterwards to come in and actually talk to schools or companies and actually use the story to inspire people and how people we you know, can evolve the way that they think about their work to do better. So, Excellent. So yeah. Good stuff. Cool. So, Did you want to ask me some quick fire questions today? I know we talked about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. I've some really serious ones. It's not like me at all. <laughs> well, I thought the ones that we put forward were very serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what, what suntan lotion are you going to use in Nibby? That's a good one. Yeah, I, I I tell you something. I'm really, really lucky. I don't tend to burn. Oh, really? Which is considering my hair as a child was more blonde than yours, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> and if I still had it, it probably would be. Um, yeah, I don't tend to burn, which is really, really nice. But you know, I'll be doing a lot of research into the clothing. John gave me a great tip actually from he learned in the death races: long layers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go long layers and keep them loose because it just keeps your skin protected, but you still keep yourself cool. So, um, and I'll be you know tapping up to a, a few other people just to sort of get some tips and, and stuff on that. So. Yeah. So, what's the best, uh, say, mental preparation tip you could give for somebody doing a obstacle course race or a racing challenge, something like that? 
But if there was one tip you could give out, what would be the best? I know that's a very narrow question, but uh, golden nugget that you have. Oh, that's really got me thinking that. Um, <laughs> yes. Sorry, I've talked more than John today. Jesus. Um, Good. Um, any, anything is possible. You've just mm. got to find a way to do it. Yeah. So uh, if, you, if you take that out as a starting point, you can go anywhere with it. Yeah. So like good positive attitude. Yeah. It, it can be done. No, it's a yeah. good tip. Definitely. I'll go back with the silly question. Yeah. If you could be vegan, would you be for the rest of your no. life? No. You're a meat I'm quite, I'm quite happy with the meat aspect. Uh, as long as, you know, uh, it's produced in a way that's considerate. Mm -hmm. you know, I, th I think, you know, we're all here on this wonderful big green ball and blue ball. So why not, you know, why not just, um, you know, treat everything with respect? Yeah, no, for sure. You could, you've only got one choice. One race brand from anywhere around the country. You're only allowed to erase that one race for the rest of your life. Which race would it be? Um, any race, any race. Difficult one. Yeah, the race I set myself. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter. We've all got, I know it sounds really, it's a bit, it's a bit shitty really, but um, like I love Spartan race. I love the challenge that Spartan puts with you. I think versus Tough Mudder, having done Europe's Toughest Mudder this year, there is a clear difference in the effort level associated with both events. Mm. Uh, um, as you might have found out this weekend, Luke. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, the, the, I think the most important race is the one that you set yourself. And as long as you try and take that, as long as you try and take that on, that's all you can ever ask of yourself. Such a such a mental. Coach. <laughs> yeah, he talks. A, he's a bit more fun. I've got a bit more fun. He's come out to be a mental. <laughs> no, well, you know, then, I, I can't. I can't think of one. I'm, I'm trying to say neutral. I look. I do love Spartan race. I must admit. I. I neutral about so, it. Okay. Okay. I'll give you that Spartan race then. Go on. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so, are you boys going to be there in Iceland? Um, no, not at the moment. But we could, we could pop up. We there's could lot, pop there's lots of talk. It's just it's trying to nail this talk down with one certain person. But we're we're working on it. I, I'm I'm going to put something to you because Jack, you seem to say that you do a 24-hour event every year. Yeah. And have you done one yet this year? I've done a 24-hour run. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you need oh, how many hours did you actually run for it? Oh fuck off! Behave yourself. <laughs> miles. Sure. How many hours? How many miles? Twenty-four. Did you run? Um, I actually only ran about twelve. Right. So I think if you're not there, you need to step up to the plate. See, here's my thing. Right. Okay. Welcome to my world. I'm going to go. I'm getting on the sofa now. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> you got me angry. Let's go. Let's go. I reckon. I honestly reckon that I could nail this endurance shit down. Okay, I'd ha I'd have Ryan Atkins shaking in his boots. Okay, and John Howard. Oh, <laughs> probably not. Probably not those two. Um, but no, I'm always a little bit worried that if I train for something like um, Iceland, 
you know, 24-hour OCR event, then I'm really going to screw up most of my season for my other races that I do. And I'm still only 30, so I'm thinking continue with the sprint stuff. You know, when I say sprint, I mean like less half than, marathon, half marathon, yeah, and half marathon stuff. Yeah. You know, then maybe when I'm getting like 34, 35, getting a bit older, can't keep with the other boys anymore. Then <laughs> you know, then start to go to that endurance stuff. I might have got it horribly wrong, but I don't know. I'm just worried that, you know, if I go and smash out 50-mile OCR course. Have you seen the pace that the top guys are doing it at? They're doing it at a pace that you could keep at a beast and still probably win the beast. Yeah. It's all in your mind. (laughs) Get with Graham. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just point out, I just said to you before the show, are we doing the eight-hour Europe's Toughest Murder this year? And you're the one that went, well, I don't know. Well, I've done it two years in a row. Um, I need to see where I'm going to do it next year. But you haven't, so I think you should do it. I'll come and pick for you if you do it. <laughs> Everything will be videoed on the camera. Yeah, great. So then that could be your little little step into the limelight of endurance racing. Endurance racing. See, the, thing you could, the thing you could consider, Jack, is the fact that it's in December. Yeah, it's it, true. So you get it. It's two months after um, Windsor. Windsor, that's it. So it's two months after Windsor. It's generally seen as an off-season period. Yeah. And it would just give you something to take into the winter. And I can guarantee you it is one of the most enjoyable races in the world. Right, I'll tell you what, I'm going I'm to make a pat to you, right? If our little thing comes off, which it might still do, and me and Luke end up going to Iceland this year, we will both compete in that race. That was Jack saying <laughs> I did not say that, but I will go and pick crew for Jack. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, once. I, I, I can, I, like, having done it, I can tell you it is one of the most unique events in the world. I would rather do that than go to Worlds this year at Tahoe. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Don't look that's because that. you, you, Tahoe's too hilly for you, right? Oh, I can do hills. I can do hills. I, I'm mixed up there in Morzine. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I I would recommend to anyone. I know if you look at the cost of it, it seems really really expensive. Um, but it is up there with the cost of most ultra races of like epic proportions. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like one thirty in the morning when you're dead on your feet. It's cold. You wet. You're recovering from mild hypothermia might have had that happen to me um, <laughs> um you're coming back from that and the northern lights are out just as you go out on your lap there is nothing better than seeing that i can i can tell you no i can imagine uh, and it's all the obstacles that you know and love through spartan mm-hmm. uh, with a little bit of extra juice 65 pound sandbags Ooh. sandbag pancakes 65 pound two carries on what's the, the terrain like in iceland Oh, interchangeable. So it set, they set it last year in a geothermal park. And in six paces, you could have ice, gravel, grass, mud, 
water and something else. Yeah. And it was supremely interchangeable. Um, and that was one of the things that made it really, really challenging. So nice. Um, but I think a lot of people are going back this year. I think a lot of people feel more prepared now to be able to take on the challenge. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there, there are some people going for some big stuff. So. All right, Graham, give me, all right. I'm, if I say now I'm going to do it and I'm going, you yeah. give me some advice for someone, the level I am. So, you know, uh, what happened? Uh, <laughs> I'm about to end this call. <laughs> um, so someone that's fit, healthy, you know, a, a good athlete, what what bit of advice could you give for something like Iceland? Because you just said there, that's what gets most people. It will be that stuff they're not expecting. So give me some um, stuff that I shouldn't, I should be expecting. Listen to the communities, listen to the people who did it before. If, if you're... Um, if you're part of the Spartan Ultra Group, uh, Josh Flurry, who won it last year, yeah, he's one of the most helpful, nicest blokes on the planet. Yeah, um, even in the run-up to an event he's never done because none of us have done it before, he was offering loads of advice to people and really, really supportive suggestions that help people get around it. I think the the second thing is then is uh, my, set your expectations realistically. Yeah, which um, is what. Well, the course is no joke. No. So it's a six and a half, it was a 6.2 mile course. Um, what was it? 200 to 800 feet? Um, 800 meet, uh, feet or 800 meters. I can't remember which one. Basically, there's a, an area that's got a massive hill climb in it. Um, and just manage your expectations because you're not going to be able to attack it constantly. But if you work out, um, you work out uh, what you can run at, and I've actually developed a calculator to help people work out their pacing for it. Okay. That my, that my clients get exclusive use of. Um, you know, um, what that can help do is that can actually set your expectations about what timing you need to hit to hit your targets that you want based on the framework that they set up. Um, yeah. And then it's just getting your nutrition right. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's huge. It's what, like fueling the fire. Yeah. So, what was your... Uh average lap time Graham when you did it last year so I did five laps our average lap time was two and a half to three hours lap and what's the distance of each lap 6.2 6.2 okay um and how many penalties did you incur averagely across those five laps uh two to three but they did some smart stuff for it so for example that I've never seen this at any other Spartan race actually yet is the penalty on the rope climb was a bucket carry yeah oh they started doing that now more. They're going to take away the burpees because then they, um, funny enough, say um, one of our podcasts the other day, he was saying that stadium races now do 15 burpees. Yeah. And they started making some American Spartans like penalty laps, not burpees. So you'll do like an extra run or bucket yeah. carry or, so I think they'll go that way. Yeah. And I think the whole sport's going that way. Personally speaking, the toughest model I think is the best model for the sport. Yeah. yeah. I think it's an, a brilliant way of rewarding um, completion of difficult stuff, but also penalising taking an easy option mm -hmm. or failing. So I, I personally, I think um, the toughest model is really, really good. Yeah, that's a great race brand, toughest in Scandinavia. Yeah. So, yeah, so I would, um, yeah, I, and I'd do that and then tr get a good pit crew behind you, you know. 
Uh, Luke's going to be able to keep warm with a beard like that. Um, I'm going to be there as well, so I'll be around and I'll be, you know, shouting words of encouragement uh, in 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 the appropriate way for the athlete that I, I see, whether that's abuse or encouragement. <laughs> so, because um, all of it has a purpose. So. Yes. So, you should I'm do it, Jack. Honestly. I'm intrigued. Honestly, I am intrigued. <laughs> see his little Ooh. face, like, oh, I can mm. do this. <laughs> like, if you could do a beast, you can do it. Like, so best five, we did five laps and we pretty much walked three of them. Oh, well, there you go. And well, we had enough time, we had enough time to do five laps. We'll put it out there on the podcast live. If you want Jack to take on <laughs> the Ultra Beast World Championship in Iceland, comment on this episode, Jack to run. Jack to run. If we get... Hashtag that. <laughs> Jack to run. If we get a fair amount of comments, we're sending Jack to Iceland. Sorry, Jack, I can find, I can find you a discount code and you don't need that much clothing either. There you go. <laughs> you sorted. <laughs> Jack's face right now is what have I just been? <laughs> if only the viewers could really see. I'm not worried about my face, mate. It's my missus's face. Is she gonna go? Who's oh, no. what? <laughs> She's gonna kill. There we go. Right, that'll go on Instagram today. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Well, I actually, fair mate, I actually turned it into a family holiday. So my wife and I went out there for the weekend before the race and had a few days touring Iceland. And it is one of the most beautiful countries I've ever been to. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon I could tie it in there with a, right, we're going on holiday. And while we're (laughs) on holiday, I'm going to do a fire race. (laughs) (laughs) She'll love you for it, mate. Yeah, she listens to the podcast. Bollocks. So Graham, is there any uh, any brands or companies you're working with now that you want to give a shout out, or where can people find you? Is it Instagram? Is it your website? Where are the places to get hold of you? So uh, Instagram, Ispire MC. So Inspire without the N in it, basically. So that's Ispire MC. You'll see a lovely avatar of a bald headed logo and some glasses. Um, uh, you find me there the links are all from there that, you, you can search around for Icefire Motivational Coaching that's the company that's me um, and some of the team that we work with and uh, yeah I don't really have any corporate affiliations at the moment um, because none have approached me <laughs> <laughs> well then uh, to this Graham so, cool well thank you for the time boys no worries yeah, thanks <laughs> if you are listening get over to graham's just giving page which we will link below uh give to his cause um children's cancer if you can also don't forget hashtag jack to run lots of them yeah and uh thanks for coming on graham no worries boys thanks a lot have a good day no worries thank you take care thank you too Spartans! What is your profession? You've been listening to OCR Audio with Luke and Jack. See you next time.